a public bank to address the lack of access to, to loans in marginalized communities, guaranteed college funding for, for kids born in Chicago, a lot of um, really big ideas that if, you know, if they're implemented, they, they could be a playbook for progressive movements um, nationally. That was In These Times reporter Taylor Moore speaking with KBU contributor David Rosenberg about Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson's first 100 days. If you like stories like this, consider supporting KBU during our fall membership drive. You can do so at kboo.fm give. A special thank you to some of our most recent donors, to anonymous folks, Benjamin N., Phil R., and Peter P., Thanks for your support, kboo.fm slash give, or you can text kboo to 44321. For KBU News In-Depth, I'm Althea Billings. Stay tuned now for Rose City Native Radio. You are listening to KBOO Portland. hi yo hi Due to technical problems, the Old Mo Variety Hour Indigenous People's Day Special did not air on Monday, October 9. Instead, we will be airing the program next Monday, October 16 at 9 a.m. Join the moles to hear stories, poetry, and commentary on efforts to decolonize and reclaim indigenous ways of being. Music by Fawn KBU Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBU in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBU Community Radio's open meeting policy is available at our website at kboo.fm. The Finance Committee meets on the third Thursday of the month at 5.30 p.m. This month's meeting will be held online through a public video conference. A public link and phone number to attend the meeting can be found at our website at kboo.fm. Please visit our website to verify if a meeting is being held. Shaking up snowflakes in my crystal ball blue In my happy home Community Radio is once again a media sponsor of the Portland Folk Music Society concert series, continuing Saturday, October 14th, with a performance by Nina Gerber and Chris Webster. This live concert, blending Nina's guitar and Chris's voice on original songs, covers, and ballads, takes place at the Reedwood Friends Church, 2901 Southeast Steel Street in Portland. Again, that's the Portland Folk Music Society Concert Series featuring Nina Gerber and Chris Webster, 7.30 p.m. on Saturday, October 14th at Portland's Reedwood Friends Church, 2901 Southeast Steel Street. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. Nothing on you. The following program is a rebroadcast. Dates, times, and events mentioned in the following program have already occurred. Thank you for tuning into KBOO Portland. You're listening to Rose City Native Radio, Low Res Edition. We have music and much more coming up for you today.
great spirit. What matters in the dimension of matter? Who owns what? If nothing is owned, who forgot their spirit? And where did they go? Those days of running faster than time. They say he sent to us his only begotten son The Lion of Utah, he come once again This has been written from beginning to end You must take heed and listen to the words I speak Satan is here to inherit the weak No Indian come from India A true Native mommy come from Arizona Original land or got me claim Tell your most natives, they're not the same No Indian come from India 
are the human beings. We come from the earth. The metals, minerals, and waters of the earth are our bone, flesh, and blood. We are the children of earth. Human. We come from the sky. We are the children of the stars, the moon, the sun, the light, being, human being, the people. We are borrowing the present from the future and from the past. This borrowing is our responsibility, our purpose. In our living evolution, this changing of season, a time for gathering thoughts and goodness, the power of living in all our relations. Super Indian! Super Indian! The education of Little Twig. Alina, we're still over budget. Tilly, I can fix that. Hubert! Alina! Hubert! You're fired! It's another episode of Super Indian! Hubert feels the wrath of Lena Marie. But, Lena, I'm your best bingle ball duster. Hey, Hubert, this is like when Jabba the Hutt captured Han Solo. Tilly, I've warned you about them Star Wars references. Sorry, Lena. A dejected Hubert Logan watches daytime television with General Bear. General Bear, more chips. Hubert, the fight bag limit. Hello? It's Uncle Chester, Hubert. Hi, Uncle. I just don't feel like saving the rest today. You found me a job? Outside the tribal complex is Twiggis McFiggis, the wealthy red-haired son of a Scottish industrialist. He adjusts his rap gangster wear. Yo, where's the valet? Uh, Mr. McFiggis? Are uh, you the Dirt Patrol? Oh, I'm your Indian tour guide, Hubert Logan. Oh, whatever. Let's start with the tribal complex. Look, dog, I'd rather be spending these Benjamins, right? Yeah. The bingo hall it is. Moments later, Twiggis McFiggis and Hubert arrive at the bingo hall. Well, it ain't Hubert the Drifter. Oh, who's your new pal? Twiggis McFiggis. Ooh, is that a whack-talking buffalo? Young man! Raised in the barn. Oh, it's a she buffalo. My bad. That's right. Look, I'll be real with you. I want to be an Indian. Well, now I've heard it all. Well, I'm sorry for calling you a she buffalo, ma'am. But show me your ways. Uh, I'll pay you. Okay, I'll start by giving you a special name, Little Twig. Oh. Hubert, get your grandma Flora. Uh -huh. She can help me with the education of Little Twig. <laughs> One week later... Yo, Wumpum. 
Vegas are you up to no good? That's affirmative. Are you forgiving me? You're making this brings honor to the circle of evil. Wopum, <laughs> leaning oak is toast. Uh, My peeps are on their way. Uh, uh, hey, hey, doggy, get, get off me now, eh? Oh, oh, later, evil one, this mutt bite me ear jacking. Covert skullduggery must want Super Indian. Hundreds of cars filled with teenagers clog Highway 49, headed for Leaning Oaks powwow grounds. DLG, Mega Bear, who are these people? It's Little Twig and a bunch of candy ravers with glow sticks. Super Indian, Section 49 of the powwow code clearly states no raids in the dance armor. Mega Bear, they're burning something. Or someone. Come on. Yo! Welcome to Burn and Twig! Three! Burn, Mocha Hunters! Burn! Don't roast me like Anakin Skywalker or French of the Sith! Oh, you red-haired maniac! The only person who's gonna get burned is you! Seriously, dog! Tights! This isn't Comic Con! Laugh at this, little twig! Yeah. Oh! Oh, my grills! Mega Bear, no. hold him. I'll rescue Tilly. Miss Marie, tell those people the rape is canceled. Get out! <laughs> hey, it's Braveheart. Afternoon, lassie. I'm Ficus McFigus. Oh, no. That's my nephew. Has he tried to burn someone again? My apologies. Will $250,000 undo the trouble the wee laddie caused? Oh, cash or check? Uh. <laughs> Yo, you are out of the circle of evil. Whoa, slow your roll, Sir Colin. Goodbye. But what, but? Ah, let's go now. I'll let go of my ah, ear, Uncle You'll not get doomed tonight, you skelly scooper. Join us next time for another astonishing Super Indian adventure. Super Indian. A Native Voices at the Autry production.
Coming up next, we have a TEDx talk on food sovereignty by Valerie Seagrest at TEDx Rainier. But before that, also want to take this time to remind you, you can support community radio by going to kboo.fm slash give. We here <laughs> at the station, well, we're not at the station, we're at home, but us here at the show, we, um, we like to bring you music and talks and as much as we can uh, to enlighten your day, to uh, bring a bit of indigenous culture into your home, indigenous voices into your home, and we hope to do that for many, many years. And as things ebb and flow and change, we are doing our best to stay on top of it and to continue to bring you voices of indigenous peoples. So uh, again, you can support community radio that supports us and the show by going to kboo.fm slash give. There are many, many... Community radio is such an important thing, just in general. Community is an important thing in general. Um, I'm sure you have a community radio station in your city, town, state, wherever, that you can also check out. Uh, They're a fantastic resource. And they have been for us. I mean, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for community radio, and we're so thankful... Um, to have this opportunity and to be able to meet the people we've been able to meet over the last six years. Six years goes by really, really fast. Um, but we've received such amazing training and met such amazing people and had these amazing opportunities to go out and explore Indian country and make new friends and share that all with you, the listener, who tunes in every Thursday at 6 p.m. Thank you so much. If you're new here, welcome. If you've been here for a while, glad to have you back. We really do appreciate that you tune in and listen, and we love hearing from you. Um, So if you appreciate the show, if you like what you hear, feel free to go to kboo.fm and consider being a member today. You can also up your membership if you have the means to. We know that things are very uncertain at this point, but if you have the ability to continue to support community radio and help us get our voice out there across Turtle Island, we are very thankful for you. Go to kboo.fm slash give. Good morning. Thank you for being here. 
My name is Valerie Segrist, and I'm a member of the Muckleshoot Indian Tribe, which is located just 30 miles south of Seattle at the base of the beautiful Mount Rainier, and we're in between the green and white rivers. Uh, I work as a community nutritionist and a native foods educator, and for the past several years have coordinated the Muckleshoot Food Sovereignty Project. And when I first heard that term, food sovereignty, I thought, hmm, does that mean that plants and animals will have treaty rights and reservations? And uh, because, you know, in tribal communities, that term sovereignty really carries significant meaning. It means it's what holds, upholds our right to practice our culture. And so I thought, I was perplexed at the idea of food upholding its right to practice culture. And decided to research the term and found that it was a term uh, that was coined in the early 1990s by a group of peasant farm workers called La Via Campesina. And they define it essentially as the right of a community to define its own diet and therefore shape its own food system. And that was really inspiring for me to think about as, as how people can become change agents in their own food system. So, um, but at the same time, really felt that tribal food sovereignty carried a different meaning, something unique. And I wanted to really take a look at that specifically to our region. So I spent some time researching ethnographic accounts. I have um, been collecting stories and teachings from my community for the last several years. And through research and applied practice, here's what I've come up with. <laughs> In 1855, when my ancestor Pat Canem <clears throat> met, <clears throat> when my ancestor Pat Canem met with other uh, tribal leaders and Governor Isaac Stevens to sign the Treaty of Point Elliot, he was the very first person to speak, and um, and the very first thing that he spoke to was access to foods. We wanted access to all of the game, the fish, the shellfish, the roots, the berries, and the cedar tree. And so at the very moment when my ancestors were defining sovereignty, it is clear that the first priority was access to foods. So at the core of tribal sovereignty is food sovereignty. And this is significant because we know that our traditional foods are a pillar of our culture and that they feed much more than our physical bodies. They also feed our spirits. And this is because they're a living link with the land and with our legacy helping us to always remember who we are and where we come from. Well, for the Coast Salish people, we see our traditional foods as more than just our foods and medicines. They're also our greatest teachers, and they teach us without a spoken word, which is much different than what we're used to today or like what I'm doing today where I'm standing here telling you about what I think food sovereignty means. They teach us by example. Um, without a spoken word, and that's one of the most powerful teachings that could ever be given. So an example of that, a couple of examples, would be that, you know, every year we have, uh, we have these seasonal runs of ulican or smeltfish that would return to the rivers. And my elders tell me that when these, when these fish would return to the river, they would be so abundant that the waters would look like they were boiling and that when the herring would spawn, the Blue River waters would turn a milky, creamy color. So we also have these runs of salmon here in the Northwest where they would return traditionally upon the millions. And my elders tell me that these runs were so abundant that you could walk across the river by walking across the backs of those returning salmon. And the Coast Salish people see this return as an act of love and a demonstration of generosity and a teaching of abundance 
And so we ask ourselves how we might live a life of such love and generosity and abundance as the salmon people do. We have the cedar tree in our culture, or what we call long life giver, who provides us with everything we need to survive in this world. Canoes for transportation, housing materials, basketry materials, clothing, medicine, and the aroma of all that is sacred in this world. Cedar tree stands tall against the fierce storms, side by side with other nations of tree people, taking root and holding the earth together, living its life as a teaching for those to come in the future, for all of us. And so we see this, and we ask ourselves how we might live in such a way where the story of our life is told as a teaching for those to come in the future. We have these really diverse lands here in the Puget Sound, these large mountain ranges that produce these fast-running rivers that flow to the waters of the Salish Sea. And in some places, it is just 50 miles from White Cap to White Cap. And within that, 50, that short stretch of land, those rivers nourish our ancient food forests, our mountain berry meadows, our lily bulb prairies, and our rich shellfish gardens. We have a bond, one that is woven right into the social fabric of who we are, and that is with this land, with the white cap to the white cap. Um, and we see this, we see this as a, a teaching of diversity and abundance. We know that pre-contact, nearly 300 different kinds of foods were eaten in a Coast Salish diet, which is very different from the westernized and superimposed diet many tribal folks consume today, which, consume, which consists of anywhere between 13 and 20 different foods per year. We live in a time where these sacred friendships are threatened. The colonization and changing landscape of the Pacific Northwest has left us with less than 2% of our prairie lands. Our mountain berry meadows are dwindling every year as a result of poor harvesting practices, climate change, and the disregard of traditional ecological land man management knowledge, which is inextricably intertwined with our cultural practices. These sacred friendships are being threatened. And, you know, we have uh, salmon runs that are dwindling every year. And archaeologists recently researched and uh, found that the salmon has been a cultural keystone species for the Coast Salish people for back 10,000 years. 10,000 years, which is such an incredible demonstration of sustainable fisheries and an illustration of the depth of knowledge that tribes carry around fish management. 10,000 years is a tremendous amount of time, and we may be the generation that watches the last salmon come up the river. We have a tremendous amount of work to do. Um, the the um, So it's, you know, a loss of land, a loss of rights, a loss of knowledge, environmental toxins, cultural oppression, and a modern lifestyle that impedes our access to our traditional foods. And that is the important work of the Muckleshoot Food Sovereignty Project. We are, this is a project that has emerged from our, our community and an attempt to overcome our barriers and access our tradition and increase access to our traditional foods. So we do this by uh, using our community foods and medicines as an organizing tool. And we hold edible educational workshops and create platforms for tribal members to come and share their gift. And we see traditional food knowledge as a gift. Um, so that means that if you know how to fillet a salmon or prepare an earthen oven, that knowledge is valued and brought out as a teaching for those who want to learn.
We work with our tribal cooks to develop healthy food protocols that can be implemented from the daycare to the senior center. And some of those protocols include things like eating a traditional foods meal one day a week and menus inspired by local seasonal availability. We prioritize purchasing from community food producers like our tribal fishermen. And that's important because it's, uh, every year it's getting harder and harder to maintain a livelihood as a tribal fisherman. And once this muckleshoot told me that he would be nobody without his fishing, that he, he tried to get a nine to five once and became severely depressed. So the act of harvesting, hunting, and preparing our traditional foods are more than just feeding hunger and a, and a sense of identity. It's also about our mental health and our own self-worth. So these are just a couple of examples that are happening in our community. And when we do hold our events, we always ask an elder to come and witness the work that we're doing. And their testimonies become our guiding light and our inspiration to continue our work in our community. So a couple of years ago, we installed an orchard at the Muckleshoot Tribal School. And I arrived there and found our honored elder standing on top of a pile of wood chips with all these little muckleshoots running around, throwing dirt at each other and playing in their new garden. And she turned to me with these huge tears in her eyes and said, this young man had just come to her and shared with her his experience planting a native crabapple tree and that he learned that if we take care of this tree, it will live to be over 200 years old. And this young man said to his elder, that means that this tree will be feeding people long after I'm gone. And she said to me, I get it. I understand why this work is so important. And this story to me is the essence of cultural teachings. This, here we have this young man who's outdoors, playing in the dirt, getting his hands in the dirt, getting to know a plant, and in that moment, experiencing a profound lesson of reciprocity and forward thinking. And then he was able to share that with his elder. These are the moments of healing that we're hungry for, and this is the medicine that we truly seek. So, I'd love to tell you about all the other work that's happening in tribal communities um, throughout the Salish Sea, because we're just one example. But quickly, I'll run through that three examples. The, the Lummi tribe, uh, Vanessa Cooper, a tribal member, has been coordinating with several Lummi families uh, who receive community-supported agricultural boxes weekly. They meet and they do recipe sharing and uh, talk about their dietary changes together as a group. The Nisqually tribe has an incredible community gardening program that grows fresh produce for their community members. And Tulalip has an impressive Growing Our Groceries garden program at the Hebulb Cultural Center. And these are just some examples of numerous accounts of tribes rising up to overcome barriers, increase access to their traditional foods, and celebrate our food traditions in the process. So recently somebody asked me, what do you think that this traditional foods movement is hungry for? And after some thought, I said, for us to remember. We're not doing anything new. This is just about remembering what we already know what we already know to be true and right. And then more importantly, sharing those memories in a way that promotes active citizenship and promotes us being active in our own food system. So I think about how important it is to remember those things because it's feeding a hunger. And as we all know, when you feed something, it grows. 
So in closing, I'm remembering the teachings of the salmon people who ceremoniously return to their ancestral rivers every year and how they are the nation of people who are truly committed to life eternal. I'm remembering the teachings of the plants and the trees taking root and in all their diversity, standing in solidarity, holding the earth together, and living their life as a teaching for those to come in the future. I remember that when we take better care of the land, we are ultimately taking better care of ourselves. And finally, I ask you to remember these teachings and the environment that we live in and how precious it is and how worth caring about it is and how you too are precious and worth caring about. Thank you. Save the river, save the seas, save the mother and her family. Can you take what you want and say that we are free? If you put oil in the water, we won't sit quietly. And they were singing, stand up, stand up for what's right. Don't walk, don't walk silently to the night. Take my hand and we'll see us through. If fight for me, I'll fight for you. and say you come in peace If you don't open your eyes how can you see And we were cheering Disco powwow. Buffy St. Marie. Marie, you're right. Disco powwow is the kind of music that she, and I guess it's fair to say, has invented and is presenting right now on 90 Minutes Live. Would you welcome her, please? Buffy St. Marie.
Buffy St. Marie, we're going to take a brief pause and then I'll bring her down here and talk with her a bit. I'll be right back. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. You can find us on Facebook at Rose City Native Radio. For music, digital events, and more, you can email them to us at pdxnativeradio at gmail.com. Again, thank you so much for listening. I hope everyone is um, having a good October. It started off very strong, and fall is finally around the corner as we say goodbye to summer. It is now pumpkin spice season, and I am excited. (laughs) It is now gourd season, and I come from a gourd culture, so I am very excited. But hopefully in the next couple weeks, we're going to be looking at some indigenous food recipes as well. Um, The time has come for the harvest, and so hopefully we'll be able to share some of those with you down the road as we step into fall. So again, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you're doing safe out there. It means a lot to us that you come back every week and tune in, and we hope that you appreciate what we do and, and that it makes you smile in some way or brightens your day somehow, some way. Um, we have so much that we want to do in so little time, and life kind of keeps going on and on, so it's good to be here with you. It's good to have uh, an hour a week to be with you. Again, if you over your nose... Uh, And please just stay safe. We love you. We look forward to seeing you next week, Indian Country. Until then. To our elders who teach us of our creation and our past, so we may preserve Mother Earth for ancestors yet to come, we are the land. This is dedicated to our relatives before us thousands of years ago and to the 150 million who were exterminated across the Western Hemisphere in the first 400 years' time, starting in 1492. To those who have kept their homelands and to the nations extinct due to mass slaughter, slavery, deportation, and disease unknown to them and to the ones who are subjected to the same treatment today, To the ones who survived the relocations and the ones who died along the way. To those who carried on traditions and lived strong among their people. To those who left their communities by force or by choice and through generations no longer know who they are. To those who search and never find. To those that turn away the so-called non-accepted. To those that bring us together and to those living outside keeping touch, the voice for many. To those that make it back to live and fight the struggles of their people. To those that give up and those who do not care. To those who abuse themselves and others and those who revive again. To those who are physically, mentally, or spiritually incapable by accident or by birth. To those who seek strength in our spirituality and ways of life and those who exploit it, even our own. To those who fall for the lies and join the dividing lines that keep us fighting amongst each other. To the outsiders who step in, good or bad, and those of us who don't know better. To the leaders and prisoners of war, politics, crime, race, and religion, innocent or guilty. To the young, the old, the living, and the dead. To our brothers and sisters and all living things across Mother Earth and her beauty we've destroyed and denied the honor that the Creator has given each individual. The truth, 
that lies in our hearts, all my relations. The preceding program was produced at KBU Community Radio in Portland, Oregon. More audio can be found online at kboo.fm. KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K282BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM. Brr, it's cold in here. I need a sweater, but one that expresses my values. I know, my limited KBOO Sound of Democracy crew neck. And you can find it at kboo.fm slash SOD shirt on the sidebar of the homepage. But there's so many colors. How will I pick? Gray? Red? I know. What about oregano? The following program is a rebroadcast. Dates, times, and events mentioned in the following program have already occurred. Thank you for tuning in to KBOO Portland.